Since you enjoy this show, I thought I'd throw out there another podcast you might like. It's a show about the intersection of design, technology, and the creative process. It's the Design Better podcast. And in each episode, hosts Eli Woolery and Aaron Walter bring you conversations with inspiring creative thinkers like John Cleese and David Sedaris, people who bring design and technology together like Tony Fadal, co-inventor of the iPhone and the iPod. So far, some standout episodes for me have been when they talk to John Cleese of Monty Python about creativity. That is one of my favorite topics and one of my favorite people. Then also one of my favorite musicians, Tycho, about his creative process. And they talk with Seth Godin about how creativity is an act of generosity. I've always been fascinated by design, the creativity behind it, the implementation of it, both to improve our lives from a functionality and user interface standpoint, also from an artful bringing beauty into the world approach. So whether you're a design curious person like me or a design pro, Design Better is a great listen that inspires and informs. Subscribe to the Design Better podcast at designbetterpodcast.com or in your favorite podcast app like the one you're using right now. Hey, I'm Eric Fisher, host of Beyond the To-Do List. This is another bonus episode, a short cast, something that I've been partnering with Blinkist on for over a year now. A short cast is a 10 to 15 minute version of a podcast where you get the core takeaways. And in this episode, and this episode is taken from my conversation with Lauren Vanderkam and is all about strategies on how to work remotely effectively, time management tips, how to avoid distractions and boost your energy. I know that you're going to enjoy it. And if you're interested, you can listen to all the rest of the shortcasts of Beyond the To-Do List for free by going to Blinkist.com slash friends and entering Beyond to get 14 days of Blinkist for free. Again, that's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash friends and use the code Beyond to get 14 days of Blinkist for free. Enjoy. Working from home has many tangible benefits, like no more lengthy commutes and the chance to set your own schedule. However, without setting clear boundaries, remote working can also challenge your ability to be productive, healthy, and creative. In this shortcast, my guest and I will be honing in on a simple but important question. How do you make remote working work for you? Time management expert and author Laura Vanderkam has some hacks that can help you to thrive. In her book, The New Corner Office, she outlines her strategies to ensure your desk will serve as the launch pad to career success. We'll hear how it's important to get the rhythm right, to ensure you have an effective work routine, and to keep your energy and productivity high. We all get distracted in our home environment, so Laura explains the importance of the look up later list to manage those distractions. She'll also tell us about how to switch off and end the day properly so that we can clearly delineate between our home and work lives and flourish whilst working from a home environment. We started by talking about the importance of managing by task, not by time. Here's Laura Vanderkam. Yeah, because it's so much more efficient to manage by task instead of time. And I love time. I mean, this is what I spend my life studying, but it's really not the most important variable. I mean, we can all see that there are moments when you do something, you know, achieve some huge breakthrough and it can take two minutes, <laughs> you know, that what were the other eight hours? Who knows? Um, but there's other stuff that obviously does take a certain amount of time. I'm not saying time is, is useless, but I think it's more 
when we do escape from these group time norms, um, it can be helpful to say, well, what does a good day look like? What would constitute an honest day's labor? And to decide this, you know, with your team, decide it with your manager, decide it for yourself, you know, set goals for any given week that would be challenging but doable. Break those down into daily task lists, what would be challenging but doable for any given day. And then the upside of doing this, aside from knowing that you've for sure gotten stuff done, um, so you feel very accomplished, uh, is that you can also end the day. Uh, because one of the biggest challenges for people who work from home is not knowing when the day is over. When you're in an office, like the day has to end at some point. You have to get in your car or get on the train or whatever and get out of there. When you are working at home, you don't have that automatic end to the day. And you can wind up feeling incredibly guilty if your laptop is sitting there and you're like, but I'm watching TV. I shouldn't be watching TV. My laptop is over there. You need something to tell you that the day is over. And knowing that you were supposed to get through, let's say, these five challenging tasks for the day and you did can then allow yourself to say, "Okay, I'm good. I I have marched my miles for the day. I will march again tomorrow. One of the things that I like that you are also uh, promoting in this is you plan on Fridays. And I'd love for you to discuss the the why and how of that. And it, and it doesn't have to be just Fridays, although I also do Friday. I have found that that works the best for me. So I plan on Fridays um, because I need, I think everyone needs a designated weekly planning time. You need some time that you know you will look at your calendar, think about what's coming up, ask yourself what you would like to do with your time over the next week or so, figure out when those things can happen, deal with any logistics, um, deal with any challenges you can see are coming up. But, you know, spend that designated weekly planning time figuring stuff out. So it needs to be once a week at some point. So then the question is, what point? Um, lots of options. Some people do it first thing Monday morning. Um, some people do it Sunday night. Um, I have found that Friday is better because A, it's during the work week. So if you need to call people or set up meetings or anything like that, you know, you could probably reach people. The other upside of Friday afternoon is that you're not really doing much else. Like most people are not highly productive on Friday afternoons, you just kind of hanging out till the weekend. So Taking a few minutes to plan the week ahead can turn what might be wasted time into some of your most productive minutes of the week. Um, the other upside of doing it on Friday is, you know, it also allows you to think about your weekend if you haven't done that. Ask yourself if there's things you'd like to do over the weekend. But it also keeps you from experiencing those sort of Sunday night blues. And I find one of the reasons people find Sundays challenging is that they know there's a lot of stuff waiting for them on Monday, but they don't have a plan to deal with it. And so you can spend part of Sunday figuring it out. And then if you get to the office on Monday and make your plan, then well, you spend what could be really go time, execution time on making decisions. And, and you know, Monday morning has a rather high opportunity cost, whereas Friday afternoon does not. So choosing Friday afternoon to make your planning time uh, has many upsides. You set your plan for the week. You can then relax and deal with it Monday morning. Basically getting the rhythms right. And I love that you call it that literally getting the rhythms right, because I think out of all of the things that I've struggled with when I've worked remotely from home now for seven to eight years now, it's always been that the rhythms get off kilter a bit based on seasons and people other people, not me, no, me too. Uh, and so that they always kind of need a, a little bit of a calibration from time to time. Yeah, I, I find that getting the rhythm right is, is very challenging for people. And particularly when you work from home and don't have those group time norms that we've been talking about, um, you are responsible for setting your own rhythms. And that is a brilliant opportunity, but it can also be challenging for many people. And so you know, I have people think about, well, how am I going to start the day? 
You know, how can I match the most important work to the time when I'm best able to deal with it? How can I plan out the types of tasks I do during the day, figure out what will fit in a day? That's that's an important thing to figure out, too. When am I going to take breaks? Um, because we all do, in fact, need to take breaks. What will those breaks look like and how can they actually help with my energy levels? And then just as importantly, how do I end for the day? How do I know that the day is over? And I, I like to think of you know, the medieval monks like chanting through the hours that these chants through different times of day give the day structure and help people manage their energy through the day. Time isn't just this amorphous thing, which is what a lot of people have been feeling, that time feels indistinguishable. A day is not distinguishable from each other. Weekends, indistinguishable from weekdays. And so you can put your own markers into time. And by doing that, you can manage your energy and get a lot more done. So you know, figure out what the rhythm is that works for you. I mean, the monks weren't allowed to choose their own rhythms, but you can. Uh, and if you do, you will find yourself much better about how your day-to-day life goes. I think one of the other things then is uh, those distractions. <laughs> that come up. Uh, one of the things I know that you suggest is having a look up later list. That's, I always have that sitting, uh, here as paper, not digital, because again, if I'm focused on a screen and I'm like, oh yeah, let me go open up that other digital thing to go put that, you know, to, to make that tally mark of, hey, look up article on such and such later or investigate this later. Uh, I'm going to go down rabbit holes in the digital world. But if I just pull a pad open real quick and pull a pen and just write that down and then slide it away again, out of sight, out of mind, almost like meditation. And this is especially important for people who are working from home because some of those distractions seem very, very productive. I mean, you know, it's like you're working along on something and then you're like, wait, I, we need meat for dinner. Did that make it out of the freezer? Right. Let me just go quick. Do that. Since I'm right here, like it's 10 steps to the fridge. The problem with doing that, of course, is that then you'll notice the dishes in the sink or, you know, the mail that's unsorted sitting under the microwave and you got to deal with that. And you can wind up with these chunked up bits of time. And, and, you know, there's plenty of distractions in life that we can't do anything about. So it's best to avoid the ones that we can do something about, the ones that are more self-inflicted. So, yeah, that's why I suggest the later list. And I'm glad to hear that you have one. Uh, it's been a real game changer for me, too. Uh, what about ending well? I know that, you know, we've talked about starting your day off right uh, when it comes to the remote work day. We've talked a little bit about Friday, but uh, specifically the whole the whole week opening and ending the work day as well. This is so important because and we said there, there needs to be some way to let your brain know that the work day is done and that you are allowed to relax. You are allowed to focus on other aspects of your life, even if your workspace is visible from wherever you happen to be. And this is, you know, especially important now as lots of people have, for instance, a workspace in their bedrooms or, you know, by their kitchen table or, or you know, some other place that you're going to see. Like it's not shut off. You're, you're going to see it. And so you have to come up with a way to know that you don't need to deal with that right now. Um, so what can be an ending for your day? What, what will be your fake commute if you are working from home? And there's lots of things it could be. It doesn't have to be contrived. I mean, obviously going for a walk somewhere, if you need to run an errand, that could be helpful too. Walking a dog, you can, um, you know, call a colleague to say goodbye or looking at tomorrow's to-do list. Uh, it could just simply be shutting down the computer. You know, sometimes it's, it could be as simple as that. But something to end the day some ritual to let you know, okay, we fought the good fight. We are, you know, renewing our energy so we can fight the good fight again tomorrow. Thanks to Laura for the enlightening talk. I've worked from home for many years, but still found lots to learn from her approach to home working. The key insight I took from Laura 
is how she stresses the importance of being proactive and taking control of your remote working schedule in order to work intelligently and then setting it aside at the end of the day. I'm Eric Fisher, and thanks for listening to this shortcast of Beyond the To-Do List.